0: The 100th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty and the double
1: team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good.
0: Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front towards Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical timeout. Technical foul.
1: Technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett. He can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head. Long outside shot, short rebounded. Made.
0: It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels?
1: They are the national champion. Matthews. Off the mark,
0: and this year,
1: the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys tonight, a loaded edition of the pod coming your way. We're going to recap Carolina's 84-74 at NC State last night and preview tomorrow night's game against Syracuse, which serves as the home finale, meaning it'll be senior night in Chapel Hill. We'll break down the orange, update you on some stats regarding Carolina, give our keys to the game and pick the game. But before we do any of that, buddy, in less than a year, 10 months, a hundred editions of the podcast have been recorded and pushed out. We've enjoyed a lot of great success since we joined the Basketball Podcasting Network. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been tiring at times, but the first a hundred editions of the podcast, they've came and gone in a, in a, in a quick hurry.
1: Yeah, it's crazy that we've uh, already had that many editions of the pod that uh, have been up since we rebranded after roy williams retirement but uh yeah it's it's exciting for sure and i don't think there's a much better way that you could uh have a centennial edition of the podcast than coming off a win against nc state the team that roy williams and potentially now even hubert davis may hate the most
0: yeah i'm gonna tell you buddy Once I, you know, was looking at the way that the episodes were being recorded and was kind of pacing it, I was getting nervous because I was like, that means 100 could be the NC State recap. And I initially thought going into it, if they lose the game, we'll just not recap the NC State game. We'll just blame a technical difficulty, come back, get you ready for Syracuse. But Carolina didn't have to make us do any of that because they jumped over NC State 20-3 to yesterday on their way to an 84-74 win in a game that wasn't even as close as the final score indicated. Uh, that was Carolina's fourth straight win on the road. This team's come a very long way from those blowout losses at Miami and at Wake Forest back in January. Uh, Armando Baycott led Carolina with 28 points, 18 rebounds. His 22nd double-double of the season. He's one away from tying Bryce Johnson for the most in a single si- single season in the history of Carolina basketball. Um, between the two win- the, the the two games against NC State, both wins. Carolina led for 79 minutes and six seconds of the eighty mi- of the eighty minutes played. So. They dominated their rival, as you mentioned. Roy Williams may not be on the sidelines anymore, but Carolina still has something extra for the pack um, under Hubert Davis. And we knew going into yesterday's game that it was going to be a tough environment. Um, It was senior day for NC State and Raleigh, making it the third uh, third straight weekend Carolina was playing a road game in the conference that served as that team's, Senior day. Virginia Tech did it a week early because Carolina was in town. NC State this week, and then, of course, this uh, this upcoming Saturday. In case you didn't know, Coach K is in his retirement season. He'll coach his final game at Cameron Indoor next Saturday. But Carolina just – they look like a team, first off, that was refreshed. Five days off from Monday's win. They look like they had their legs back. They came out hot from the start. State pushed back a couple different times. They made it a 36-27 to 27 game at one point late in the first half. Carolina spurted on a 10-2 run to push the lead back out to 17 at the break. NC State then scored the first six points in the second half um, to make it an 11-point game, but Carolina would extend it, and that was pretty much the game. Carolina would have a lead from anywhere from about 13 to 24 25 points state would push back carolina would then extend the lead and that's a sign of a team that's maturing a team that's learning how to win on the road and i think it's i think it's safe to say now it, it appears this team has rounded the corner and it's turning into the best version of itself after yesterday's win at nc state i it is
1: hard for me to be to be there um well, well I mean, if they're not there now, then it might not ever happen. I, you I, see, the thing that it's every time that we've said that this year, it just seems like that next game is the one that proves us wrong, and and I'm hoping that is not the case uh, against Syracuse. Um, you know, I, I think, look, it, it's you, you like to see what you saw yesterday, especially out of the gate, because. We, we said one of the keys to this game was for Carolina to bring the same energy that they brought in the first matchup of the season. And we knew that was going to be tough because that was a game that uh, carried a lot into it. Um, that was an important game for Carolina to close out a uh, home stretch uh, where they you know needed three games and, and eventually took three games. Um, it was a day where they honored Roy Williams at halftime um, for his career and his achievements. And it was a day where they honored the 1982 national championship team. So you had, you know, plenty of former players in attendance, including Michael Jordan, who came in and, and spoke with you before the game. So you had all these different things that people, you know, thought, probably fed into why you were able to get off to such a great start in that game and to come out and do the same thing in this game was really commendable not only of the coaching staff but you know of the guys on on this team that you know at times this year when we've asked them to do stuff like that just simply haven't been able to do it but they came out quick um, you know, 20-3 to three to start the game. And, yeah, eventually we're up by 19 at one point in that first half. But I think, you know, the, the, the best moment of that first half was probably the late run to make it a 17-point game at halftime because there was a point, and it was right after Leaky Black went down with his injury, where NC State had cut it down to nine. And you were thinking – oh, no, here we go. This is going to be – that's that's going to be the injury that's going to kind of take it, at, take it out of them a little bit. And this is going to turn into one of those nail-biting games. But Carolina didn't let that happen. They were able to reestablish themselves. And they did that a couple of times really throughout the rest of the game. They had a couple of moments in the second half where State would go on a run, but Carolina would respond right back. So, again, we've talked – all, all season about how one of the biggest things for this team that they had to learn to do was to be able to take a punch from the other team, to take some of those longer runs and be able to eventually counter that. Well, Carolina is seeming to learn how to do it. The problem is, is that unfortunately, you don't know how much stock you can put into it because it's coming against a team like NC state who may have one of their worst teams that we've seen in our generation. That team is god awful, um, and, and and I don't see, you know that that's why I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to sort of pound my chest and 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 think maybe that's where Carolina has turned the corner because we we've been here so many times before this year.
0: Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, I I just think that if. If they haven't done it now, when you look at their recent stretch of of wins, the way they've won those games, then maybe this team will never do it. But but I, I, I still think that it's possible. I still think it's in them, um, and that's why I think they have. Now, they might come and, and make me look flat on my face tomorrow at home against Syracuse, but... For some reason, I don't know what it is. I do think that I I am even more trusting of this team than I thought I would have been this point in the season a month ago after those blowout losses at Miami and at Wake Forest. So, Let's take a look at the box score. It was a pretty one for Carolina. They shot 52% from the field, 29 of 56. They held state to just 38%. They were 25 of 66, and Carolina shot that 52%. Despite going 5 of 19 from behind the arcs to a rough day from the perimeter for Carolina, NC State, meanwhile, was just 9 of 27 for 33%. Carolina's free throw shooting was pretty good yesterday. They were 21 of 23, led by Armando Baycock, going 11 of 13 for 91% from the foul line. NC State, 15 of 17 for 88%. Um, but one thing that Carolina struggled with, and something we talked about entering the game, was the pressure and the turnovers. And, and Carolina did commit 16 turnovers, and NC State scored those or tur- turned those into 22 points. And it wasn't coincidental that whenever Carolina would turn the ball over, That's usually when State would go on a four, six, eight point spurt and try to get back in the game. And you got to commend State because I thought when they went to their full court press, it worked. Um, And and when they trapped out of it, I also thought their zone defense at different times worked and it gave Carolina fits. But Carolina was able to manage that. Meanwhile, NC State just seven turnovers, but Carolina got 14 points off those turnovers. So they essentially scored every time off of those turnovers for the Wolfpack. Rebounding wasn't a competition. Uh, 46-25, to that favor in Carolina, led by Armando Baycott's 18 rebounds. Um, Caleb Love and and Brady Mannick were second on the team with six of them. Um, They had 13 offensive rebounds and they got 13 second chance points, bench points. Caroline did outscore, did get outscored off the bench 24 to 16, but Puff Johnson did score all 16 of those bench points. A guy we'll talk about a bit later in the show. Points in the paint. As you could imagine, with Brett with Armando Baycott dominating inside, they, they scored a lot of points inside. 44 to 28 in favor of Carolina in the fast break. Favor NC State 23 to 13. Uh, but blocks go Carolina's way. Armando Baycott with five of them um, as Carolina outblocked state five to three. Carolina did get out stole by state eight to five. uh, Of their 29 made baskets, 13 were assisted of them for Carolina. Of NC State's 25 made baskets, only 10 of them were assisted. And Carolina led the ball game for 39 minutes and 31 seconds. Let's move on to our quote of the game. We go back to Hubert Davis who opened his press conference saying, we've played well on the road, and that does give us some comfort and some satisfaction. Honestly, I'm just very proud of the guys and how resilient they have been throughout the entire year. There have been times where we've been bruised and we've been knocked down, but we always find a way to get back up. And I think that's a pretty accurate statement because you look at some of those losses this team has had, whether it was in blowout fashions or that demoralizing home loss to – to Duke or to to Pittsburgh, they could have mailed the bag in, but this is still a team that is still fighting. They're still competing, and that's really all you could ask for them at this point in the year. Move on to our stat of the game. I just mentioned from Carolina those 44 points in the paint. That was tied for third most this season and the second most in ACC play. The only time they scored more in conference play was in that blowout win over Florida State. A few weeks ago, let's dive into our takeaways right here. And the first takeaway is not something positive to talk about because it involves Leaky Black's hyperextended knee. And Hubert Davis would say later in this post game that um, he it's nothing serious for Carolina. But you would imagine that with a 48-hour turnaround or so, that puts his status into question for tomorrow night. Tomorrow night was also supposed to be his senior night. But more importantly, the impact he has when he's not on the court. Um, You saw right away, after he got off the court, what's the first thing State did? They broke Carolina off the dribble for two points at the rim, or four points at the rim. They got two buckets right there. And... I think everybody in Tar Heel Nation was holding their breath when he got hurt because this team simply cannot afford another injury. They can't. Uh, they can't afford foul trouble most nights, let alone an injury to a starter, the one of importance of Leaky Black. And we all know Leaky has he's drawn criticism from those of us and the Tar Heel faithful, including yourself, including myself. But we, I think, we've learned this year how important and how valuable he is to this team because um, when he plays well. Carolina looks really good and even when he's not scoring the ball he's still been Carolina's best most consistent defender for the majority of the season and hopefully this isn't a long-term issue for him because Carolina needs him to be on the court if they want to make any sort of significant run in the ACC tournament or that NCAA tournament next month.
1: Yeah, It's exactly what I thought when he went down, is that this is the worst possible thing that Carolina can have happen. Um, And, I mean, it it might be to the worst possible player because, as you mentioned, I mean, there's no denying at this point that he is your best and most consistent defender. Um, And it's frankly not even close. Because there are guys, you know, night in and night out where, you know, they, they might have a good performance and follow that up with two or three rough performances on the defensive end. Leakey has been that guy all season and 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 really he's been that guy even the past couple of years. Um the 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 thing the, the area where he's really improved as well is on the offensive end. And he's been one of the big X factors for Carolina on the offensive end since you know that really the they got into conference play that was really where everything started to turn for him on the offensive end and since then it's it's really worked wonders for Carolina offensively especially in some of these close games so yeah they they need him out there there's there's no denying that I know that this team still looked pretty good at times in the second half against state without him but as I said earlier state is at this point I think very clearly the worst team in the ACC this season. So I don't know if that's going to fly against Syracuse, and I know for sure that it's not going to work out well against Duke. So Carolina needs him out there, and, you know, I don't know. I I choose to believe what Huber Davis said, that he doesn't think it's a severe injury. Um, But at the same time, I did find it interesting that, he said, you know, in in the post game press conference, I believe this quote came from that Leakey said he wanted to go back into the game and he said, "Look, we're not putting you back out there unless we absolutely have to. I'm I'm more worried about your health than uh, the team winning, you know, a game. And I'm not concerned about it from the standpoint of I think that's the wrong decision. No, I think that's the right decision. My thing is though is is he do you really believe that he is going to be healthy for a, a quick turnaround game tomorrow night against Syracuse? So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, Carolina had some guys that that stepped up, and and I think that there are some guys that are showing that if Leakey is unavailable, they they're going to give you something. But losing your best defensive player, especially at this point of the season, ahead of a game. You know, against one of the toughest opponents that you play all year in a game where you would you would really love to have it to shut off all these people that are saying that you're not a tournament team that's somehow in the tournament field right now uh, would would really step.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're definitely right about that. Carolina's going to need them um, if if they are wanting to make any sort of hay in Brooklyn in two weeks and later in that NCAA tournament. So. Uh, the next guy we got to talk about from yesterday's win was Armando Bacon, because he was dominant. Um, you could argue it was maybe his best performance since, I don't know, maybe he had that stretch early in an ACC play where he was dominating Virginia's and Georgia Tech's other like, 28 points, 11 of 13 from the field, 6 of 7 from the foul line, grabbed 18 rebounds. Um, and had five blocks the first guy to ever have you know 25 or more points 15 or more rebounds and five blocks in a game in Carolina history um and all that makes up for him committing five turnovers as well and committing four fouls and um you know Kevin Keats said in the post game that it, had they had Manny Bates and might they might have been able to compete a little bit ba- better with Armando Bacon inside when apparently playing- by
1: the way Manny Bates is like a hall of fame player that just yeah. would have. I, I mean, honestly, if Manny Bates was there, they'd be they'd be right there with Gonzaga. Apparently,
0: yeah. I, I yeah. mean, um, which is which is why Kevin Cates, uh, Kevin Keats is coaching for his job and is in fact uh, not a winner, even though he proclaims to be one. I don't think it would have mattered who state had when Armando Baycott plays the way he did yesterday. When he's physical, when he's aggressive, and he's imposing his will on the opponent. He's the best big man in this conference and one of the best big men in college basketball. And I think you have to commend the guards, though, because the first two plays of the game, the ball went to Armando Bacon. And it just it for the majority of the game, they had their lulls when that zone would take them away. But they played through number five. And I don't know how many times I've said it, and I'm gonna continue to say it. When that when the ball goes through him, Carolina is, is at its best. Because it makes the game easier for your guards, for Brady Manning, for Leaky Black, for instance. And it was a really nice performance. I had a we had a Tar Heel fan tweeted us today that it solidified him as the ACC player of the year. I'm not ready to go that far. Ooh. Um but another sensational performance from the guy that Carolina is going to need to be in lockstep with Caleb Love if we want to make any sort of hay uh in in March.
1: Well, look, I mean he he sort of hit that mid-season wall. He had that stretch where he was struggling to finish at the rim and it looks like that is is gone. Um and I think part of that was probably due to the injury that he suffered to his right hand that um, probably was a little more severe than we realized, but yeah, I'm I'm not quite in the same area as that person is. I don't think he's the ACC Player of the Year right now. I think it's going to be hard pressed not to probably give that to Alondis Williams at this point. Um, but you know, I I think that he's starting to peak again at the right time. This is where you need your best players to step up and play well. And I think that's exactly what, what Baycott's doing. Um, yeah, he was, he was dominant in this game. That first half was outstanding um, from, from his standpoint, Carolina was just dominant on the glass in the first half. I mean, they ripped down 19 defensive rebounds and he had eight of them. Seth. Um, he had a double, double in the first half, 11 points and 10 rebounds on four or five shooting. So, Uh, It looked like a guy that is back to being comfortable with knowing he can take over games again. Cause I feel like there was a point there where, you know, in in the middle part of this ACC season, he really felt like he wasn't able to take over games as easily as he once was because of those issues finishing, finishing inside. But now he's got that confidence back underneath him. I, I think that, it's going to be hard for anybody to really slow him down moving forward. And this is what we were hoping for. So uh, yeah, I I think, you know, this is a guy that, that clearly uh, is realizing that Carolina needs some, some leadership on the court. And again, he's not, the vocal leader but he's a guy that's going to lead by example and i think he stepped it up here these last couple of games and you've really got to commend him for that and it's, it's it's something that carolina fans should feel pretty confident in going forward and yeah we we've talked about that a lot here you know throughout the season that carolina needs to find the easy baskets whether it's armando baycott and brady Manick finishing inside or your guards getting downhill and finishing at the rim. This team still, at times, settles for too many outside shots. And look, they have their moments where they shoot the ball well from the outside, but as the season's gone along, you've seen that shooting touch has started to lead this team a little bit. And just take the easy baskets when they're there for you. If you do that, like you did in the first half when you shot 60%, it's going to allow you to have the type of success offensively that you need to have, because look, we've seen some improvement from this group defensively, but as we've seen at times, even at times yesterday, you know, there are moments where defensively teams are able to get to the rim on you. Um, Teams are able to knock down outside shots because you're scrambling So this is not a perfect defensive team. You've got to be able to put points up on the board, and the easiest way to do that right now is to get the ball inside, whether it's through your big men
0: or drive into the basket. The one thing that really came out of Leaky Black's injury was maybe you thought with him being hurt that meant extended minutes for guys off the bench. It did for one guy. And that was Puff Johnson, who in his absence played 29 minutes and made every single minute count. He scored 16 points, was four of nine from the field, made two three-pointers, was six of seven from the foul stripe, and grabbed five rebounds. And there wasn't a better – there wasn't a single-player success yesterday. I enjoyed watching more than Puff Johnson's. Because this is a kid who, for a year and a half, has battled numerous injury after numerous injury that kept him off the court, but it never took away his smile. He was was the ultimate cheerleader on the sideline, and whenever he made his debut back earlier this year, he made an impact with his energy because he sacrificed his body. He would dive on the floor for loose balls. He'd take charges, and he was a good teammate and, and played within the offense, and yesterday... There was opportunities there for him to make plays and boy did he. You saw the shooting stroke that we were told, hey, this kid can rip it. And he did just that. And he played with confidence and you've seen he's got a frail body, but that's that 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 size and that length that he has really can show up on, you know, whether it's on offense getting to the rim or shooting over defenders, on defense affecting the passing lanes or just simply getting rebounds and um, you know, I, I hate that I had to come to the expense of Leaky Black, but Carolina's gonna need somebody off the bench to be productive. They're just gonna. I, it's it's so hard to win in the tournament with five guys. So you got to have at least one guy off the bench that can come off the court and or come off the, the bench and produce for you. And I think that guy may be Puff Johnson. And just all in all, watching that kid's success yesterday. Put a big old smile on my face.
1: Well, when initially when Leakey went down, the guy that I looked to was Kirby Walton. That's yep. who I thought I was gonna have to step up. But yeah, no, it was it was Pup Johnson. Um, and you know, it shouldn't come as much of a shock to us. I, I think, you know, the thing that's been the most confusing thing to go through as a Carolina fan this season is okay, well, once you've gotten to this point where it's been mainly your starters and then nothing really off the bench the guy that's been the primary man off the bench has kind of you know fluctuated throughout the entirety of conference season and I don't think you know recently we would have thought that it would be Puff Johnson who would be the guy that would come off the bench and play the most significant minutes there but he did in this one and looked really, really good doing it, like you said. Uh, he picked the perfect day to show off that shooting stroke because Paul Cardi was comparing him to his brother um, in terms of how well he can shoot from the outside. And to this point, we hadn't really seen that from him, so he stepped up when he needed to. I like the fact that he got to the foul line seven times. It shows that he's aggressive, and and that's the thing about him. You said he's got a little bit of a frail frame. Uh, he, it doesn't really matter. He's not the biggest guy, but he is one of the toughest players on this team because it doesn't matter where he has to go to try to make a play. He will go in there and try to make it. He's a guy that we've seen multiple times this year. will get on the floor to try to make something happen. So um, he, he, he is definitely the type of energy guy that Carolina wants to see out there. And yeah, he with his with the size that he has, he's probably the guy that fits that three spot the best right now for Carolina of the options uh, that Carolina has off the bench. So they are more than likely going to have to play him pretty significant minutes. I mean, Dontre Styles saw six minutes yesterday, um, but you know it was was oh of two. He did have three rebounds, so he's a guy that I think will see some time there too. But I think that Puff is clearly the more advanced of the two. I feel like he can do a little more at this point on the offensive end just overall. And I think he brings a little bit more defensive energy overall, which makes sense because Styles is still a true freshman. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think these these last two games of the year, especially because e- even if Leakey is out there, he is not going to be 100%. You've got to find ways – to be able to limit the minutes that Leakey's not a guy, especially tomorrow night against Syracuse that you need out there for 37 to 39 minutes. It's just, you, that can't happen. You're going to have to have some, some period of time where you're going to have to have him off the floor for, you know, at, at least the length of, of, of a media timeout to media timeout. So I think, you know, Puff's probably that guy and we'll see if he can continue to build off of this, but there's a lot to be positive about uh, with him. And he's one of those guys that I think next year and, and even the years moving forward, we looked at him as a four-year guy when he came in. And we thought by the end, he could be one of those guys. And you're starting to see that, go- that growth slowly, but
0: surely. Let's talk about Carolina's just offense overall here. Um... I thought it functioned at a really high level yesterday, even with the 16 turnovers. 52% from the field. And that was with shooting, as we mentioned earlier, just five of 19 from behind the three point line. And um, I, I thought the zone at times affected them, but it seemed like it was just like a possession or two. And then, you know, they would figure out, okay, get the ball back inside, get them out of the zone. And I think that's a sign of a team that's maturing. Because I think earlier in the year, they would have been content to stand out there and shoot three-pointer after three-pointer and see if they could shoot shoot the defense out of the zone. And it was a really good tune-up for tomorrow night when they play Syracuse and that famed 2-3 zone that Jim Bayheims perfected for the last 40 years or so. But um, I think Carolina's offense has come a long way on the road because that was the big thing early on was that it wasn't – it wasn't there on the road. It was, you know, everything just broke down. And, you know, you go back at what they did at Virginia Tech, and they grinded out that game on on the defensive end, but they didn't let it affect their offense. And then, you know, you just look at some what how far they've come. You know, the second half at Clemson was huge. They scored forty nine points and shot fifty percent from the field. Um, and so I think all the teams are starting to culminate. And um, I think you got to give Huber Davis a lot of credit because this team looked prepared yesterday. Um, for everything that state was gonna throw at them, they looked re energized after, you know, back to back uh grueling wins and in different ways. But I, I I do think this offense is taking that next step on the road where we can trust it and um I think that's gonna be a big thing because they're not gonna beat anybody with, with their defense. Not 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 most nights. Not at least not a good offensive team. They're not gonna beat with their defense. Um, this team has to score and they're capable of scoring and um I think the recipe for success moving forward is playing inside out. We've seen more Brady Manic down low at times as well as of late, which I think is a nice adjustment from Hubert Davis to, to play more of a three around two style with him and you know, have him stretch the floor from time to time. But I really like what I saw from Carolina's offense yesterday on the road in a hostile environment against a defense that was going to throw multiple looks at you for 40 minutes. Yeah, and it
1: started out, you know, right out of the gate because they got the ball inside and went to work. And I think that really sort of set the pace for this game early on. Brady Manick made a couple of nice shots, did a really good job on the offensive glass as well early on. And I thought that was the thing that really jumped out to me the most about that first half was how good Carolina was on the offensive glass. That looked like a vintage Carolina team on the offensive glass at times where they were simply just bullying NC State and getting whatever they wanted to get those second-chance opportunities. Now, the second-chance points probably weren't as high as you would have liked, but it really, I felt, set the tone uh, and sort of sent the message to State that, look, we're, we're going to do really whatever we want on the offensive end, and you're not really going to be able to slow it down. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Carolina's got to be able to score. Well, yesterday they had four guys that finished with 16 points or more, including one, Pup Johnson, who we just talked about off the bench. So yep. you're, you're getting guys that are contributing. It's getting back to sort of what we saw earlier in the year where – night in and night out, you've got, you know, three, four guys that are contributing in double digits. And that's when this offense is at its best. Now, you know, you'd like to see R.J. Davis sort of get himself back on track. He's been a little bit quiet here recently, only six points the uh, yesterday on three of eight shooting. But yeah, I think, again, the the thing that's going to allow this team to have the most success is whenever you are going to the basket. This team yesterday was 19 of 29 on layups and dunks combined. So they, when they've gotten to the rim, they've had a lot of success there here recently. They've shaken off whatever that was midseason where they just couldn't finish inside. And now uh, this is a team that is you know, as, as becoming – uh, extremely efficient. I mean, the second half, they didn't shoot as well uh, as they did in the first half, only 14 of 31 from the field. But um, I, I, I feel like, yeah, you had those moments where state went zone and it kind of threw the guys off. There were a couple of bad shots, bad possessions. There where, uh they really didn't even try to get the ball inside, but yeah, I think they, they did a good job of settling themselves down and figuring out they had to go back to it uh, at some point. And Um, Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that, you know, that was a good test for them to sort of get them ready for the zone that they're going to see from Syracuse. The only difference is, is that look. Against State, whenever you would, you know, start to show that you were scoring against it, State would get out of it, and you were They would basically still allow you to sustain sustain the success moving forward. Um, Syracuse is not going to get out of it; they're going to stay in that zone the entire game. So Carolina's got to be ready for that. But I feel like this offense right now uh, is is playing at a high level, and and you're seeing. know, good ball movement. They had 13 assists yesterday. Now, granted, 16 turnovers, so not a positive assist to turnover ratio. But uh, still, I thought they moved the ball relatively well. And it's a good thing that you've got a guy like Brady Manick who has five assists in this game as a big man. So uh, everybody is getting involved, moving the ball well. And uh, I think that's when Carolina's offense is, is at its best, as we've seen uh, in a lot of the games that they have performed the way they did yesterday uh, on the offensive end In is whenever they can move the ball around, they're going to have a lot of success.
0: Yeah, and they had a lot of success yesterday, and that's why they're able to pick up a relatively comfortable 84-74 win at NC State. Well, guys, we are going to take a very quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from Draftkings and then when we come back we're gonna dive back in as we get you ready for tomorrow night's matchup at home against Syracuse
1: as if the McCrispie couldn't get any better Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat the Bacon Ranch McCrispie available at participating McDonald's for a limited time Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 older Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details for a list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources. Void prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York. Call 877-8 Hope and Y or text Hope NY-467369. Really hope you guys are taking a great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the heel tough blog side of things. Well, Carolina beat one mediocre opponent over the weekend. They'll look to do that again tomorrow night at home against Syracuse, who hasn't had the type of season I think they expected them to have coming uh coming into the year um Jim Bayheim squad just fifteen and fourteen overall, nine and nine in the league um they had expectations entering the season as they usually do up in Syracuse for a lot of different reasons, but it just hasn't panned out for 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 them this year um but this is still a dangerous team because they love to make stuff difficult late in February and into March. Um, and they've done that at different times this year as well. Buddy Bayheim is still on the roster, and he's their leading scorer at 19 points per game, as they do put five guys in double-figure scoring um, led by Buddy Bayheim, But they kind of got the same problem Carolina has. They play about five, six, maybe seven guys night in, night out. Um, and they just haven't had the same type type of success that Carolina's had with such a limited uh bench rotation. Um, but you got Buddy Bayheim, Jimmy Bayheim who transferred in this year. Um, he, he's on the team. He's scoring over 13 points per game, shooting thirty-eight percent from behind the three-point line. Joseph Gerard is still there. He shoots over 41% from behind the three-point line. Got Cole Swider and Jesse Edwards. So the names that that are on the roster are pretty familiar. The name on the bench is pretty familiar. Um, But this is just a team that for whatever reason, it hasn't all come together. I think like everybody expected them to. Um, I think, you know, we all kind of thought coming into the year, Syracuse was going to finish in the top, you know, half of the league and have a good chance to make a run in the tournament like they've done the last couple of years, despite their seating or whatever. But it hasn't culminated. And they got absolutely embarrassed over the weekend at home against Duke. Um, that game was over before the game was even on ESPN because the four o'clock game took so long that when the te- when the game switched over, the game was was already over, um effectively. But uh this is a team that, you know, is gonna give Carolina fits. And Jim Bahan would love nothing more than to come to Chapel Hill and, and beat Carolina on their home court on senior night. And that's that's gonna be the challenge for the Tar Heels tomorrow. Yeah, th- this is this is one of the teams that honestly shocked
1: me the most this season because I really thought that this would be a team that would probably finish in the top four, five of the ACC um, because they were bringing so many guys back from a year ago, um, because, you know, you had both Bayheim brothers there, and you kind of wonder if this isn't almost starting to sort of signal that uh, the end of Jim beheim there is, is coming up pretty soon. You thought maybe this was a team that this year was going to be able to get back to some of the team's that we've seen in the past from Syracuse Um, that could be a factor in the ACC and even the NCAA tournament eventually, but they just haven't been. Um, One, they defensively are a horrendous team overall. I mean, they are allowing 74.8 points per game, which is 310th in the country. So, yeah, this is a chance for Carolina's offense to continue the role that they've been on here. They've got to be able to get to the middle of that zone and knock down some shots, which, you know, this is the first time Brady Mannix going to face that two, three zone. So we'll see how he handles that. That's probably the guy they're going to look to in that, uh, in that area to, to go to work there. But uh, th- this, this is definitely a team that can still be dangerous at times because uh, they do score the ball, very very well you know they mm-hmm. averaged 76.8 points per game which is 49th in the country now here recently they've struggled a little bit to score the ball but especially early on in the season they were more than capable of putting points up on the board and you know they're a good three-point shooting team at 37.1 percent so Carolina's got some areas that you you should be concerned against this team, but this is another one of those games that fits into the winnable category. It's just about taking care of business, and and you've got to at this point because if you take care of business at this point against Syracuse, then you're going to go into a game against Duke that not many people are going to expect you to win. Right now you're third in in the ACC standings, and – uh, it, you know, if, if you take care of business uh, against Syracuse, you probably feel pretty good going into that final weekend. Um, that you will be able to potentially wrap up uh, the double buy. Well, no, um, the, that's
0: if, the thing. Is if one win, they get a double buy regardless, whether it's tomorrow or Saturday. Right. If so if they long. win, but the the goal
1: I think right now has to be to get that three seed. That's that's the spot that you want to be in right now because either you're you're going to play at this point probably either Virginia Tech or Virginia in your what what would be the first game for you in the quarterfinals of mm-hmm. the ACC tournament and that's the spot that you want to be in i think this team wants to avoid having to play Wake Forest again because that could be a pseudo playing game for the NCAA tournament, I don't know if it would get to that point. Um, I think it kind of th- there's a bunch of factors that would go into that, but you don't really want to be at that point if you're Carolina. I think you match up better with Virginia Tech and Virginia. So I, this this is a huge one, and Carolina's got to bring that same level of desperation, that same level of urgency that they brought. The last couple of games, since they lost that game to Pittsburgh, this team has brought that level of urgency knowing, hey, we've got to win every single one of these games. They've got to bring that same urgency in this game on Monday night against Syracuse.
0: Yeah, because even though the record looks pretty at 21 and 8 and 13 and 5 in the league, they're still they're still fighting and playing for the right to compete in the tournament. Um, As of yesterday, ESPN's Joe Lenardi has them among the last four buys. So now they've kind of moved themselves back up onto that 10 line, but all it's going to take is one bad loss and uh, a home loss to Syracuse would definitely qualify as that. And that would just make their life so much harder projecting them into the NCAA tournament without, a win on Saturday in Durham or winning that ACC tournament in Brooklyn two weeks from now. But um, Carolina still has four players after double-figure scoring, still being led by Armando Baycott. But the sense of virtues should be there for the NCAA tournament and also its senior night in Chapel Hill. And um, we know how important this night was under Roy Williams. Older Tar Heel fans, how important it was – under Dean Smith, he's the guy that kind of started all of the senior night festivities we see in, in college sports as a whole now when it's the team's final home game. Um, and this is the first one for Hubert Davis. And this is a guy who's not afraid to be emotional with this team, in front of this team, in front of the media, whatever. Um, and so it's always a weird night in Chapel Hill because you don't. You don't want to ruin whatever seniors you're celebrating. It is their final game in the Smith Center, like this year, for instance. You know, Leaky Blacks, the, the big name of of Senior Night for Carolina. Brady Manick, even though he's just a transfer, he'll still be honored on Senior Night as well. But I did want to have this small discussion that we we saw come out via the twitters uh, or over over the weekend was that Carolina will not do. The post-game speeches like they did under Roy Williams, which was always like the highlight of the night. Um, I don't think anybody who's ever watched Marcus Page's speech after a win at home, ironically against Syracuse, didn't get emotional. Watching him tell Tar Heel Nation what Roy Williams meant to him, um, Tyler Hansboroughs when he beat Duke for the final time in the Smith Center to clinch an ACC regular season title, 2005 when Carolina won their first ACC title under Roy Williams against Duke, 2000 you know 17 Carolina lost or 2018 Carolina lost, but Joel Berry and Theo Pinson addressed the crowd and and it, so. I guess the question is, is that, what are your thoughts on there not being the post-game speeches? They're going to do something before the game, but is it going to have the same effect that it it, it it usually has in most years?
1: Well, they actually came back and confirmed that there won't be anything before the game either, not speech-wise. Those, those are completely gone. Um. And I, I mean, look. Personally, I, I loved it. I thought that was one of the best things uh, about, you know, the way that Carolina did Senior Night, um, because yeah, it was it was a way for those guys to be able to, you know, give their respects to, um, you know, everybody that helped them along the way, and and the fan base and Coach Williams, all that kind of stuff. But you know, the only th- the, the one thing that I kind of wonder is, you know, is this is this something that is just for this year and could come back at a different time or is this a permanent thing because you know you kind of wonder especially with you know the headliner of this group of seniors being leaky black is, is that really just not something that leaky wanted to do which i mean look it's it's understandable it's it's not for everybody to get up in front of a crowd of 20,000 people and talk that's that's not you know something that everybody looks forward to. So, you know maybe it's just one of those scenarios. But if, if this is what Huber Davis is doing, look, there there's probably something else that will eventually come out that he will do for the seniors that will be his thing. Uh, maybe that was just something that he wanted to leave to to Roy. But, um, you know, I, I I personally thought it was it was something. Uh, that you know I I was hoping would stay around um, because I just thought it was you you got so many special moments from that and and you know you mentioned some of the ones right there that were just memorable Luke Bay as well on his senior night um, you know just talking about the, the road that he went through in his career to get there and Uh, It's just there were so many cool moments from that. I hate that it's going to be gone, but you know, at the same time, it's it's understandable that Hubert Davis wants to sort of make it his own thing, and we'll just you know we'll have to see. We'll see over the next couple of years uh, what ends up material materializing on. Uh, those senior days, that becomes the Huber Davis special those days.
0: Let's go ahead and dive right into our keys to a win over Syracuse tomorrow night. And the very first thing is to attack the zone that Syracuse is going to throw at you. Um, and look, you mentioned they haven't had the same type of effect they usually have in terms of, of being a really good defensive team. But um, it's it's still unique. Um it's still something that can still give you fits if you don't see zone a lot of the times. So now granted Carolina has seen them their fair share of it throughout the season, but um it's still it's still different. And it's something that Roy Williams really mastered um in terms of how to attack the zone, which the best way to do it is to put the ball at the free throw line. Um I, and I think I think in this game, the guy that you should see there should be Brady Manning. Um over Armando Bacon. You now maybe Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like with manic's size and height, and I think he's just a really good high-low passer, you put him there, it's going to make life really difficult for Syracuse. I thought the guy that Carolina always used the best against the zone was – I really thought Bryce Johnson was really effective during his time at Carolina. Um, and I really thought when Luke May was there, I thought putting him there was really good for Carolina mm-hmm. – as well, but the worry is, is that Carolina's going to get different. They're going to settle for outside shot after th- after outside shot, and which is why I was really impressed with them yesterday. Whenever they they would have a bad possession or two to get the ball back inside and play inside out, you can still do a lot of things against the zone defense. You can still screen the zone. You can still attack the zone off the dribble and stuff like that. I don't want to see a passive Carolina team tomorrow night. Attack them. From the on from the onset, because they don't have the depth if they get in foul trouble um, to to keep up with you. But I think that's going to be the thing. They haven't seen a team play zone for 40 minutes. They need to stay aggressive and and, be in attack mode from the moment that ball tips off.
1: Yeah. And look, I mean, Hubert had to have taken something from Roy and the success that he had against Syracuse in those games. Um, So you you would imagine that maybe this is a game where he sort of harkens back to what he learned under Roy Williams about how to get guys uh, to that foul line. And, you know, hopefully that, that, will lead to a successful night offensively. Cause I think you've got a guy that can make the shots from there. I feel confident that Brady Manick can make the shots there. I don't think that's the area where you want Armando Baycott. Um, but I, I definitely think that, you know, this is a team that you know needs to still focus on getting the ball inside and look, Syracuse is a team that defensively 266 against the two point, uh, in, in terms of field goal percentage from inside the arc. So they're not a great defensive team inside the arc. They're really not all that great outside the arc either. Um, but that's, I still think, an area where Carolina can attack. This is not a Syracuse team that has a ton of sides inside either. So, yeah, Armando Bacon has to be one of the keys for Carolina in this game. And, yeah, you've got to realize that, look, we can't be settling for those outside shots unless, look, I mean, they're going to test it early on. The only, If you are able to knock down some of those shots early on, then you're probably going to feel confident that Carolina will have a good night offensively because there are going to be moments where they're going to probably force up some of those outside shots. But we'll know again early on in the game where exactly Carolina is at with their shooting from the outside. And if they are not knocking down those shots, that should heighten the uh, aggressiveness that they have of trying to get that ball inside and really focus on scoring there.
0: The second key kind of just kind of follows up the, the, the attacking is for Carolina to get off to a fast start. Saturday they were up 20-3, to three and they controlled the game from there. Um, this game will be different because it's at home, um, and you'll be coming you, you, it's senior night, so there'll be a different starting lineup. There'll be a different energy, different emotion in the building. Um, and, and so Carolina's got to, to, to weather that and, and take control of the game early. Make Syracuse play from behind. Make them have to shoot 30, 35, 43 pointers because chances mm-hmm. are their legs will give out, they'll miss them, and you can run out and get easy buckets. But I think it's important for Carolina to control this game from the onset and not have this game like the game was against Louisville close in the final miss where you're trying to grind out a win. Um, you know, and I have to think that's I think that's something Carolina – When you look at their home wins, the one thing that you look to is how they've they've started out of the gate, like against NC State, like against Florida State. But those two home losses to Duke and Pittsburgh, they didn't start well at all, and they found themselves in a hole and they weren't able to climb out of a hole. Syracuse is going to come in motivated after getting their their butts beat on Saturday. They're going to lick their wounds, but I think if Carolina can start the game fast and, and take control of the game before that first media timeout or so, they're going to put themselves in a really good chance to get that 22nd win this season.
1: What Saturday showed you about Syracuse is that this is far from a perfect team at starting games either. So Carolina is going to have a chance to get out to a fast start because, yeah, this is going to be a Syracuse team that's going to be tired as well coming off of that game, even though they got their butts kicked. Um, that's a team that did expand a lot of energy because they were trying to get themselves back into that game um, You know, for the majority of the second half. And there were a couple of times where it felt like they had an opportunity to, but they never really did. The big reason why this is so important for Carolina is because this team has been so much better this year when they have been able to play from ahead. They are not a team that thrives at playing from behind we're really having to match teams bucket for bucket. I mean, they've done it. They did it against Louisville um, early on last week, on, on, you know, on Monday of last week. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where Carolina doesn't look their best in those types of scenarios, when they're able to get out to a fast start. And, and look, it's not, hey, we've got to get out to the same start that we did against NC State um, on Saturday. They can, or, though, if they want to. I mean, that's the thing. They've shown a couple of times this year that they are more than capable of doing that. They, and, look, it's not, well, they've done it again twice against State and that's what you guys are going off of. Well, they did it against Florida State. They did it against uh, Boston College as well on the road earlier in the season. So they, they've done it a few times before. Um, I, I don't expect that from them because, again, even with Puff Johnson playing 29 minutes – Every other one of your starters besides Leaky, who had to come out of the game played at least 32 minutes in this game. So this is probably going to be a team that is going to be a little fatigued um, even coming out of the gate. But I still think the key is, is, look, get out to you know a, a, a decent lead early on. I, I mean, even if you can get a five- to seven-point lead, this team seems to be one of those teams where – You know, they did it against Virginia Tech where they never really let Virginia Tech get close enough to be able to have the feeling that they were back in the game and could eventually take over the lead. So Carolina's done a good job of holding the lead in those scenarios. And as I said, playing from ahead for this team is a huge, huge deal. They've got to be able to do that in this game against Syracuse. Make it comfortable if you can, you know, end up getting a significant enough lead, great. That would allow you to bring in some of these guys off the bench and have even more rest for the game against Syracuse. But just having that lead and feeling comfortable throughout the game would mean so much for this Tar Heel team uh, that at times this season when they face that adversity of being uncomfortable, it hasn't really worked out great for them.
0: The last key to the game for Carolina is to defend the three-point line. As a team, Syracuse shoots 37% from behind the arc. Of their five starters, four of them shoot 38% or better, led by Joseph the III, who shoots 41%. Jimmy Bayheim 38%. Cole Swider shoots 39%. Buddy Buckets hasn't had a great year shooting from behind the three-point line, just 33.2%. But when he gets hot, he can stroke it with the best of anybody in college basketball. That's how they generate their offense. They rely on the three-point shot um, to get the majority of their points outside of whatever they get from the interior from Jesse Edwards. And um, Carolina's three-point defense has come a long way. It's, It's had its ups and downs. It was really good on Saturday. They held state just 9 of 27 from behind the arc, a team that also needs to shoot the three ball well to have a chance to win. And um, I think at home, Carolina's defense, their energy, their effort, their toughness has been better defensively in the Smith Center for the majority of the season. I do think if they can defend the three-point line, make it uncomfortable for Syracuse, and, and dictate the game on the offensive end with a fast start as well on the defensive end, it puts Carolina in a really good position to, uh, to, to get a win.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier that one of the things that could be a factor in this game for Syracuse is is tired legs for a team coming off of playing on Saturday and a team that shoots a lot of threes. So if you're Carolina, this could be similar to what you've seen you know, in, in the two times that you played Virginia Tech earlier in the year, a really good three-point shooting team that – you know, if if you can, you know, get them uncomfortable out of the gate, it could be an off night for them shooting wise. But Carolina's got it. That's got to be one of the big focuses here. Jesse Edwards, you know, a guy that's had a pretty solid season, but that's somebody that you would expect Armando Baycott should be able to hold his own against especially with the way he's been playing recently um so yeah your other guys should be focused on hey let's try to keep these guys off of that three-point line now some of it is look with buddy bayheim you're not going to be able to keep him off the three-point line he averages 8.1 three-point attempts per game so regardless of if it's going down or not he's going to throw up three-pointer. So Carolina's just got to be prepared. Now look, there could be moments where he gets hot Um, And, look, I I think one of the biggest things that we've seen from this team at times this year is when teams have started to knock down those outside shots consistently. And it hasn't been as often as it's been in the past. That was always one of the things under Roy Williams that people had the biggest issue with, especially late on in his tenure, was that teams would just go off from behind the arc. But when we've seen that at times, Carolina gets three-point happy trying to match them bucket for bucket, and they can't do that. There are going to be moments where, you know, Bay, the, the Bayheims could start heating up a little bit from beyond the arc. But I, I think Carolina's faced these teams so far this season that shoot the ball extremely well from the outside. And they've done pretty well against them so far this year. Remember earlier in the year, they had back-to-back games at a conference against Elon and Furman that were two of the best three-point shooting teams in the country at the time. And Carolina – shut down both of those attacks. They've done it against Virginia Tech, so they've proven that they can handle these good three-point shooting teams. Now it's about going out and doing it on short rest against the Syracuse team that is going to want to throw that at you as often as they can. I I think this team, though, has shown uh, that they are in a good spot, and I I think they're confident with the way that they've been playing recently defensively, So so I feel pretty good heading in about Carolina's ability to try to slow that three-point attack down from Syracuse.
0: They enter with a 78.4% chance to win the game according to ESPN's College Basketball Power Index, and um, I think that's the expectation. Carolina's at home, home finale, senior night. It's important to send your seniors out with the win. And you factor in the NCAA tournament stuff that's still on the line for Carolina. They should still be playing with that sense of urgency, sense of desperation to secure them spot. And the, themselves a spot in the field of 68. And, and with one more win, you wrap up that all-important double bye in the ACC tournament so a lot on the line for Carolina I do think this team is rounding into form the best version of whatever this team can be as current currently constructed and I expect this team to come out to get a win and 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 look good doing so so what do you got for me tomorrow night buddy yeah I I think
1: Carolina will come out and get the win I, I don't know how pretty it's going to be because this is a team that's going to be on short rest that's still relatively thin but the good news is that the team that you're playing on the other side is dealing with the same situation and look that team has their flaws of their own they're 15 and 14 they're 9 and 9 in the ACC so clearly they're not a perfect team either I like how Carolina has defended against those three-point heavy teams so far this year. Um, I, I think that Armando Baycott rounding into form late in the season really helps this team out, and I think that's going to serve well in this game against a team in Syracuse that really isn't all that great inside. I mean, Jesse Edwards, as we said, you know, he does some things well, especially when it comes to scoring the ball. I'm shooting almost 70% from the field. But uh, the other area where Carolina should dominate in this game is on the glass. Teams against Syracuse this season, defensive rebounding-wise, uh, you know they, they allow 37.7 rebounds per game which is 328th in the country. Carolina's coming off of one of their best rebounding games of the season, one of their best games in the paint so far this season. So I think for sure uh, this that that's going to be the focus for Carolina. I think they get the win. It won't be the easiest win because they are still pretty thin and they will be a little fatigued, but I think they pull it out.
0: You can catch that game tomorrow night at 7 p.m. over on ESPN as a part of their Road to Champ Week on Big Monday. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. do encourage you guys to go to the website, HealToughBlog.com for your latest football and basketball coverage. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We're on every major podcast platform. You simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we'll pop up. Great review, but most importantly, we encourage you guys to subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the podcast throughout the remainder of the season. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.